Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. good to be together, isn't it? We had a, um, had a great gathering last Sunday. We weren't sure how many would be here, but we had about 125 of us gathered, and we broke bread and had a tremendous time together. But we, we'd planned that we would break bread this morning because we knew most people would be together today. So that's what we'll do. But I just want to share some really important things before we do that. Because, you know, it's that time of year again. Diets and detoxes, gyms and jogging and fitness regimes. And the newspapers are full of plans that we can uh, embrace or ignore. And um, I don't know whether you're, you're the type of person that makes resolutions, but you know, all over the country in the last week, all over the nation, all over the world probably, in many parts of the world, people have been um, making decisions and choices, and um, their aim is that this year would be better than last year in all manner of respects, that this year would be perhaps more peaceful, more fruitful, um, slimmer, healthier, more productive, and um, there are, there are millions of people who want to make a really good start. If you could put the, uh, the backdrop up, please, Neil. Want to make a really good start to um, this year. And that's a great aspiration, isn't it? And um, the challenge is, and the, the, the problem is, very few people will finish the year the way they are trying to start it. And, you know, as good as all those things might be, I really um, have felt the Lord speaking in these last few days and a couple of weeks about the importance of us having well-ordered lives, having our lives in order, bringing our lives into God's order, because all of those other things, as, as helpful as they may be, will never really bring us to that place of peace and um, fruitfulness and sense of fulfillment. The, the only thing that will do that for us is having lives that are in order and in balance with God. An ordered life, a life that is in balance, a life in right relationship with God. Um, and without that, we'll always, we'll always come up short, we'll always ultimately feel a bit disappointed, always feel unfulfilled and um, have regrets. So... I can help you start really well this year. But I can also help you continue well, and I can help us finish well. And um, I'd like to get this year, uh, well, it's not the first Sunday of the year, obviously, but let's pretend it is, because most of you weren't here last week. And let's get this year off to a great start. And what I'd like to do is just, just do a, I'd like us to read through the Bible, yeah, we'll start at Genesis 1. 
seriously, turn to Genesis 1, <clears throat> scroll up or scroll down, or better still, buy a Bible. <laughs> or bring it with you, at least. So we're going to take some, some starting words, some opening words, some of the first words, the, the sort of opening statements, starting statements um, from some of the, some books in the Bible that, that in themselves are the first books in certain sections of the Bible. So we're going to go through the word. We're just going to read a few verses in each place, some key um, starting books, take them some, some of the starting words, because I believe God will speak as a man speaks with his friend this morning and say some things to you that will be really helpful. These are, if you like, some ingredients, some really key ingredients for an ordered, balanced, blessed, fruitful year. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I really just want to take those first five words. In the beginning, God created. That statement is going to be really key for us this year. Whether we believe that, whether, whether somebody believes that or not, is highly defining. If we believe that God created, it forms the, the, the platform for all our theology, for our view of the world, if we believe God created, it affects everything. And I want to put it to you, first off, that, that those five words will really shape and define and distinguish you and I this year. We will certainly be tested this year on that belief. It's already happening in multitudes of ways, isn't it? Ethics, genetics, that come to highly challenge that belief. In the beginning, God created. There will be a, there'll be a tremendous clash between those who hold to that view and those who don't. In the beginning, God created. And as you go through chapter one, you'll find that everything he created was good. It was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. It, that phrase recurs. It was all good. Which means, surely, that the Creator knows best. The Creator has a plan and a purpose. And this year, the Creator has a tremendous plan for us. As Chris pulled together some of the contributions this morning and, uh, and just uh, affirmed that to us, God has a plan, God is a Creator. Things don't happen by chance. Life isn't the result of random events. God creates. God has created. We, our view of the world is one in which God is a creator and has created all that we're enjoying. He can be trusted. In the beginning, God created is, in, in, in many ways, is, is your ultimate hope, your ultimate peace, your ultimate security. It's the best start ever. In the beginning, God created. And if I could just take you a little bit further down, chapter 1, to verse 28. God, 
blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. I don't know why, but I, I, I love the fact that God has commanded us to be fruitful and has, has commissioned us to multiply and expand and fill the earth. And so many of the things you'll hear next Sunday when we have our mega meeting, how, uh, how some of these affect us, be encouraged with this. God um, commands, commissions, expects, and delights in us expanding and changing, and and growing, and therefore he enables that, he empowers that, and he enables us to design and embrace all the change that's needed to to accommodate the multiplication that he plans. Have a look, have a little look around this room right now, and um, and you'll see that it won't be long before there aren't enough seats in here. But God, the creator, will create wonderful um, next stages for us. That'll be good. God create. So if you want to start this year really well and finish it, you could put a little insert there, starting and finishing well. Then do everything you can this year, friends, to bring your life into order, into balance, under God's good order and embrace the fact that the Creator has a plan and has commissioned us to be fruitful in everything we do. Let's this year get on board with the Creator's plan. Second place I'd like to take you is Psalm 1. So Genesis is the start of the whole thing. Psalm 1 is the start of the devotional books in the middle of your Bibles. Psalm 1. Who loves the Psalms? Who loves the Psalms more now than they did six months ago? Good. That's good. Psalm 1, verse 1. How happy, your Bible might say blessed, how happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of sinners or join a group of mockers Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that bears its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. But that sounds like a great, um, a great place to say um, that's what an ordered, balanced life looks like. This, this man that the psalmist is describing, Richard took us through this um, a few months ago, this man is uh, happy, he's blessed, he is planted, that means he's secure, he's well watered, he's refreshed and fruitful and prosperous, and why is it? How is it? It's because his delight is in the word of the Lord, in the Lord's instruction, on on the Lord's instructions, he meditates on those things day and night because his priority, because his focus is the word of God, because he makes this, this instruction, this word, his starting point, because the creator has spoken, how awesome is this, 
And what he's said is contained in here for us. The creator has spoken, and he knows best. And if he knows best, we ought to take delight in what he has to say to us. So if we're going to start and finish well this year, I want to urge you, and let the Lord speak to you now as a man speak to, speaks to his friend. Give yourself afresh to this word. Prioritize daily devotional time. Have a plan. Have a simple, sustainable plan that works for you. Open the word for yourself. It should never be that this is a Sunday to Sunday thing. Open the word for yourself this year, friends, and, and meet the creator in it. And let the creator share his heart, his plan with you. Let, let him speak as a man speaks to his friends in his word this year. I pray that we will all come into new revelation and we'll find God in the word and we'll, we'll grow in our understanding and our intimacy with him. But you know, you may need to reorder your schedule. You may need to change priorities, change bedtimes. Do whatever's necessary to uh, make time with God, that devotional time, that daily devotional time with the Lord, top priority this year. Because as I read this, if my life is given that way, I'm going to be planted, I'm going to be prosperous, I'm going to be fruitful, I'm going to know the Lord's advice, not need to follow any other advice. So that's the psalm. And then just go to the next book, would you, the book of Proverbs. The first, um, the first uh, chapter of Proverbs is an introduction to what makes us wise it's fantastic. We'll just read the first seven verses here. The Proverbs of Solomon. It's the next book after Psalms. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. For gaining wisdom. Whenever I read this, I think I, I need to read these Proverbs every day. Because this is what they do for us, all right? This book, this book of Proverbs, there's 31 chapters. Therefore, there's a chapter for every day of the month. And in some months, you get to read two or maybe three or four chapters in one day. But there's at least a, there's at least a proverb, chapter of Proverbs a day. And um, I'm giving myself this year to reading a chapter a day of Proverbs. Because they are, verse 2, for gaining wisdom and being instructed, for understanding insightful sayings. I've said to the Lord this year, Lord, I, I really need wisdom. There are so many things coming up that otherwise would feel really daunting. Yeah, yeah. I said to Rich and Chris this week, the, the weight of responsibility feels quite heavy, but there's wisdom from God. Yeah, Understanding, insightful, says, receiving wise instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to a young man. A wise man will listen and increase his learning. And a discerning man will obtain guidance by reading the Proverbs. For understanding a proverb or a parable, the words of the wise and their riddles. And here we go. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. 
He gives us that great introduction, then he, then he, then he just nails it to the mast, doesn't he? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. It starts with a fear of the Lord. And, and this is the, the phrase I, I feel the Lord just wanted me to say here. This year we need to live carefully. Live carefully as men and women who fear the Lord. It doesn't mean we're afraid of God. It means we respect him. It means there's a reverence. There's a proper reverence for the Lord. Our lives are not casual. Our lives aren't... Um, um, what's the phrase? We, we think carefully about what we say, what we think, what we watch, what we hear, what we give our time to, how we spend our money, how we invest our money. We live carefully because fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. For me, uh, and I just want to say this at the start of the year, an ordered life for Deborah and I means we tithe. Because tithing, Deuteronomy 14, I think it is, says, says that when we tithe, it teaches us to fear the Lord. It teaches us reverence. It teaches us respect. It teaches us to depend upon him. And, um, you know, um, we have a reputation in this village of being a tithing church. That's good. Um, I'm, not sure everybody, I'm not sure everybody uses it as a compliment. But, um, but what a great thing to do at the start of the year is to say, Lord, this year... I'm going to continue, or I'm going to start to be a tither, to give you a tenth, to give the first tenth. Tithing isn't a tip. It's not a tip to the Lord for a, you know, a nice day or a nice month or in prospect of, you know, of, a, of a, tasty, a tasty month ahead. The tithe is the first fruits, is the first tenth, it's the top of the pile. And we give it to the Lord and we say, Lord, I'm bringing my life in order. And putting everything in a proper godly order. And you know that opens the door for his peace, his provision, his protection. To know that we're never in need because the Lord responds to tithers. There's much more to fearing the Lord, but I just feel starting it's a good place to be reminded of that. We put the baskets out again in case you just want to adjust anything you already did. It's not the leftovers that we get. We don't get to the end of the month and work out how much we've got left for God. We start the month and say, God, my life is in order. If you want to start and finish well this year, live carefully. Not casually, not indifferently. Live with integrity. Our private lives and our public lives totally match up. We think and say in private is the same as we'd say in public and vice versa. Amen. Let me take you to the first of the prophets, Isaiah. Isaiah 1. This is, so you've got Proverbs. We're going in order, by the way. Nobody's going to have to go backwards or scroll down or up, whatever it is. So Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, Isaiah, the first of the prophets, the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, the kings of Judah. He's setting the context. But it's the first two words that interest me. The vision. 
the vision that the prophet saw. Every prophet has seen something. Every prophetic people have seen something. Every prophetic church has seen something. And they can't let it go. And what we, what we have seen, towns and villages ablaze with glory, the glory of God, and thousands coming together to worship him and share their lives, and every village reached, congregations planted around the region, a haven of health, all that we've seen, an apostolic church that sends people into the world, other nations being reached, Kenya and beyond, all that we've seen. And if you're visiting and you want to catch a sense of of what we've seen as a church, if you go to our podcast and go back to our Momentum Weekend in September, uh, the Sunday morning preach there was, was was a summary of some of the things we've seen. Have a listen. But what, what we've seen, let's get on board with it, folks. Come, come into the slipstream of what we've seen. We are a prophetic church. We're a visionary church. Sometimes I wish we'd not seen so much. No, I don't really. I never wish that. I want to see more. But, you know, it puts a demand on us, doesn't it? And this year, let's be those who come into the slipstream of all we've seen. If we're going to start and finish well, we will hold on to our vision. In Habakkuk 2, it says, though it delays, wait for it. All that we've seen, that we haven't yet seen, hold on to it. It's coming. Wait for it. The Lord speaks to us as a man speaks with his friends this morning. Now come with me to Matthew 1, into the New Testament. That means bread and wine is ever closer. Matthew 1, verse 1. Matthew 1, verse 1 just says this, the historical record of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. I love that. The historical record. This is a historical record. It's real. Jesus lived. He's historically accurate, real. He lived and breathed and walked on the earth. Emmanuel, God was with us. But it's the phrase there, the son of David, that piques my interest. See, King David was, um, as you know, was, was a... A, a king in, in Israel's history, whose kingdom, and, and the kingdom of his son Solomon, who came after him, whose kingdom represented the, a golden age in Israel's history, King David. And so often the reign of David was seen as this, this time in which enemies were subdued, territory was taken. But David had a, um, had a promise over his life. God made a covenant with him that David would always have a descendant on the throne forever. So when Matthew opens his historical record of Jesus Christ by telling us he was the son of David, he's saying Jesus came as a king. He came 
to claim his throne. He came to sit on that throne, that, that throne that had descended through David's line. Jesus came because he was a descendant of David, and he literally took the throne, and he's ruling forevermore. The gospel begins with the good news that Jesus is king. And this year, if I want to start and finish well, I want his kingdom to come in my life. You know, he, he, he didn't come as an advisor. He didn't come as a, um, uh, he didn't come with suggestions. He does know best, but he doesn't, he doesn't come with suggestions. He comes as king, wants to rule in our lives. And um, I want him this year to rule in my life. I want him to have the final say. I want him to uh, direct me. I don't want to argue with him. I don't want to resist his, his well, when I say counsel, his command. He's the king. I don't want to resist his commands. I don't want to resist his urgings. I don't want to resist when he moves me, when he shapes me, when he pushes me in certain directions, when he holds me back from certain things, when he gives me a green light, when he gives me a red light. I want to be sensitive to him. I want him to be king in my life. I want to live an ordered life this year in which King Jesus is ruling and reigning in all my life. Amen. Do I hear an amen? amen? It starts in me. And then I just want you to take you to verse 20. I'm, I'm, I'm cheating a little bit. They're not all the very opening words. There's lots of people pregnant in this room. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up just yet. Although I will do that. No, I will do it because I want to explain what I mean. It says that um, Joseph, verse 20, after he'd considered these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what's been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. I literally shuddered when I heard that a couple of weeks ago in our Christmas meeting. What a thought. Mary was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. What a thought. And um, there are some people in the room who are pregnant, pregnant, pregnant. But there's a whole lot of others of us that are pregnant. Because something's been conceived in us by the Holy Spirit. Something's forming in us. The Spirit of God has, um, has placed something within us. It, if I could put it this way, no man was involved. No other human was involved. God has come and he's put something inside many of us. And we feel a conception, we feel a pregnancy, we feel a, 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 some, something's just, there's a gestation period going on inside us. Maybe he's put, you know, particular dreams inside us, particular burdens inside us, particular ideas. Maybe there's some books inside you. Maybe there's some poetry inside you. Maybe there's some exploits, some adventure inside you. I love it when people turn around and look at one another at that point and acknowledge some private conversation that's previously happened. Mary Elliott. Brenda Owen. To name but two. 
Things are conceived in us, things forming in us, things growing in me, growing in you, growing in us. Ideas, gifts, ministries, destinies, futures, things are growing in us. How many of you in the room are pregnant? I knew there was way more than the, yeah, there we go. And all these things are there by the Holy Spirit, but maybe, but, but they're not yet ready for release into the world. Hold on and get ready this year for many new births to happen. If you want to start and finish well, let him establish his kingdom in you. Don't resist, don't fight, don't argue, and be sure to nurture and protect and guard what is conceived in you by the Holy Spirit. Does this make sense? I'm talking a little bit abstract, but I hope you're really clear what I mean. Turn with me to the first, well, to the historical book, Acts. Tells the history of the early church. I'm excited. I can't wait to see what's born this year. It's going to be beautiful. We're going to go, wow, looks just like you. Or, who does that look like? It's going to look like the Holy Spirit, that's for sure. Acts 1, the start of the church history. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up after he'd given orders through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he'd chosen. After he'd suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was together with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. This, he said, is what you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, at this time, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is a familiar passage for us. Um, in, those op- in that opening verse, it says that, it says that Luke's gospel, um, his former book, was about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And since Jesus, by this time, has, um, has uh, died, and by the time Luke writes this, has uh, ascended back to heaven... It can only mean that Jesus is continuing to do things and to teach things. And he continues through the body he still has on earth, his spiritual body. And and so here's some of the things he he did. Well, he kept kept appearing and providing proof that he was alive. You know, he still does that. He wants there to be, this year, many convincing proofs that he's alive. 
He wants this year for us to go to the ends of the earth. He wants us to be witnesses of the resurrection. We'll come on to that. He wants us to uh, continue the works of Jesus. All the things Jesus did, he wants us to continue. Healings. Miracles. Lives changed. Villages turned upside down. Jesus wants us to continue all the things he started. And you think, well, how can we do that? How can we possibly move in the same way that Jesus did? Because he's sending us the Holy Spirit. Because we've been baptized in the Spirit. Because he promised you'll receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. And therefore, if we want to start and continue and finish this year well, I do, and I am not satisfied with my measure of power that I'm experiencing, totally satisfied with all that's available. But I want to move in more power. I want to lay hands on the sick and see them healed every time. I don't want us to have to bury, bury church members. I want to see the power of God moving through all of us. And, we, and, and you and I, folks, if, if we believe this, if we believe we're to continue all the works of Jesus, we will not be satisfied until we're moving in a measure of power far greater than what we're currently moving in. So I want to start and continue and finish this year well by ceasing all my own striving and receiving his power. There's a lovely verse at the end of John's Gospel, and if you may be able to even see it without turning the page, it's John 20, verse 22, I think, where Jesus says, um, receive the Holy Spirit, and he breathes on them. It's really interesting because I don't know if what exactly was happening at that point, but rather than getting that, here's the thing. At the end of John's Gospel, they've totally got to the end of their own resources. Peter's denied him, and um, uh, they've, lost, they've, lost a, they've lost one of the 12. And at the end of everything in their own strength, Jesus says, receive the Spirit. So this is what you really need, folks. What you need is an invasion of the Holy Spirit, because nothing else is enough. Nothing else will get the job done. So I hope you're going to join me this year in a holy dissatisfaction and a longing for more. I, I'm not dissatisfied in Jesus, don't get me wrong. He's, he's, he's everything. But I want to experience more of him this year. I want my words to change lives as I speak them. I want to move in, in gifts more powerfully. Turn with me to Romans 1. The first of the epistles at least the first in the the order that our Bibles have been put together in. Romans 1. Oh, this is good. To hear more on this, go to Tamworth at 1 o'clock and hear Richard Jones expand this a little bit further. Romans 1. We'll just read the first um, six verses. Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and singled out for God's good news, which he promised long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh 
and was established as the powerful Son of God by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness. We've received grace and apostleship through him to bring about the obedience of faith among all the nations. This year, we will see new tribes. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. There'll be, there'll be different nations. There'll be new tribes. There'll be new ethnicities. There'll be new people groups. We'll be coming part of this church. Get ready for change. Paul could say what we've received in terms of our gift and our ministry is to call all the nations on behalf of his name, including yourselves, who are also Jesus Christ's by calling. One of the criteria of the 12 and, and, of, and then of the ongoing apostolic company was that they should be witnesses of the resurrection. And I love the way that Paul is here, is his opening sentence, he's writing to the capital of the Roman Empire. He's writing to the, to the church in the most important city of his day. And he opens up by saying, I'm a slave of Jesus. I've got no human credentials to speak of. I am a slave of Christ. The word he uses means literally a bond servant. It's like, it's the lowest form of slavery in some ways. He's owned by Christ. But he gets straight into witnessing to the resurrection of Christ. I don't quite know how to say this other than this. That this year, our lives can be tremendous witnesses to the resurrection life of Jesus. I don't know whether you realize how different you are as a believer in Christ, as a spirit-filled man or woman. You're so different. You're so different. You know the God who creates. You're planted by streams of water, so you're constantly refreshed. You walk a careful walk in reverence, in respect, in honor of the Lord. Folks, we have a vision that excites us. We have hope. We have an anchor. We, we have his kingdom that's starting in our lives. We're filled with the Spirit. We've received power. He's baptized us in his Spirit. We're so different. And therefore, we're so refreshing to be around. And if we could just grasp that this year and know every day, everywhere I go, I'm a blessing. That's not arrogant or proud, or but I have to be a blessing, don't I? I've been filled with his spirit. I know him. I've got the book. I know the, I know the creator's mind. I know his heart. If I'm not a blessing to be around, we're in big trouble. Who else is going to change the world? It's the people of God. The blessed, born-again, spirit-baptized people of God. You know you represent the coming age. You're a representative of the age to come. People meet you, they taste the powers of the age to come. Even newly saved Christians, especially just received Christ. You have become so different to people that are meeting you. They're saying, what's, what's changed? What's happened to Kat? She's been born again. She's been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Everything's changing in her life. She's got a different worldview. She's starting to see this place is created. 
Maybe there's, maybe there's a plan. There is a plan. This year, if you want to start and finish well, get yourself out there. Don't let your life be limited to holy huddles. Get yourself out in the world. Start infecting people around you. Let all that good stuff rub off on others. You'll find people want to be with you, want to spend time with you, want to hear the hope you have, want you to pray with them because they don't possess the same hope you have. Hallelujah. The last one, Revelation chapter 1. Then we're done. Revelation 1, and um, this is the start of Revelation. It's the the start of the end, okay? Revelation, last book in the Bible. Revelation chapter 1. There may be things in here you don't really understand, that's fine. Um, But there's loads that's really straightforward. It's all pretty simple, really. Jesus wins. But uh, this is how John, this is written by John, the Apostle John, one of the twelve, James's brother, one of, the one who describes himself as Jesus' close friend, the one, on who, the one who laid his head on Jesus' chest around the table in the Last Supper. And this, is, this is a man who really knew the Lord. He knew him as a man knows his friend. This is John speaking. The revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave him to show his slaves what must quickly take place. He sent it and signified it through his angel to his slave John, who testified to God's word and to the testimony about Jesus Christ in all he saw. Blessed is the one who reads and blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep what is written in it because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from the one who is and who was and who is coming, from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us, hallelujah, and has set us free from our sins, coming to the table in a moment, by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, He's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, including those who pierced him, and all the families of the earth will mourn over him. This is certain. Amen. Then Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who is and who was and who is coming, the Almighty The King of Kings is coming again. And we ought to say a bit more about that. We will do this year. The King of Kings is coming again. And and if you want to start well, start with the end in mind. He's coming back. 
and he's returning, and he's the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end, and he wants us to start well, begin well, and he wants us to finish well, end well. He wants us to start this year with the end in mind, that he's coming back for a glorious bride, that he's building his church, that he's commissioning us, and he's sending us out, and he's promising us we'll be fruitful this year. And folks, just like John the Baptist prepared for his first coming, this year is all about preparing for his second coming. So how does the Bible help us start well? What are some of the key ingredients? Well, there's an underlying belief that God created all things and has set us aside to be fruitful and prosperous. And as we spend time every day in his word and we devote ourselves to meeting the creator, we will um, discover his best for our lives. As we live carefully with healthy respect of God, expressing that he's first in our finance, in our lives, in our thinking, in every area. As we get stirred with the vision of how he can fulfill his commission, as we let his kingdom come first in me, as we nurture all, that's, all that we, is inside us, all we're pregnant with, as we go before him and say, God, fill me with power this year for, for everything you've called us to requires power. As we share resurrection life, as we live with the end in view that the King is coming, I believe we'll have an amazing year together. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We meet every Sunday at 10.30am in Stony Stanton and 4pm in Tamworth and Market Harbour. Feel free to come and visit us. We'd love to meet you. Thank you.